This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 95 of the Catholic Foodie, Spirits and Souls of the Just, Bless the Lord. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today is the Solemnity of the, the of All Saints, the Solemnity of All Saints. Last night was Halloween, and uh, man, I'm excited about this feast, and tomorrow's the Feast of All, or the Solemnity of All Souls, and we're going to talk about that on the show today. We've also got some other good goodies coming at you. We've got, uh, I'm going to tell you about a dinner that Char and I had just uh, last week. Unbelievable. In New Orleans, it was so good. We've got feedback today, and we're going to talk about the Holy Souls in Purgatory right here at The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Boy, do we have some good goodies. We do today. I am just excited about the Saints. <laughs> and I'm, you know, the Saints won, the, the football team, the Saints won last night. So that's good. That was exciting. They won on, uh, on the, uh, the solemnity of all Saints. That was a good thing. Uh, but I'm excited about the Saints, you know, the holy ones, the spirits and souls of the just. And, uh, not only the Saints that we know, but the Saints that, uh, whose name, we may not know. That's what this feast is all about, this celebration. Those folks who made it into heaven, who are were so full of God's love, of God's uh, Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, that they are now in heaven with the Lord, just praising Him and thanking Him and just rejoicing with the holy angels. They are all up there. And some of those folks, we don't know. We just don't know who they are. Uh, but of course, you know, we have those saints the canonized saints, the ones that are listed officially, canonized uh, by the church. We know them, of course, St. Francis and St. Benedict and St. Therese and just so many saints. Um, and, and many of us have good friendships, good relationships with saints. You know, we have patron saints. We have saints that we have a particular devotion to. And I love that. That is so awesome. It is the the communion of saints that we talk about in the creed, right? It is Life is so much bigger than we can see. That is so awesome. It is so much bigger than we can see. And we can actually have friendships, real relationships, friendships with people who have died, people who have gone before us marked with a sign of faith, people who are in heaven who can pray for us, who can lead us and guide us and help us to get closer to the Lord. And I just think that is awesome. That is one of the fantastic, wonderful blessings of being Catholic, and I am just so excited about that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the saints today, but we're also going to talk about and try to get ready for the huge solemnity tomorrow, which is the solemnity of all souls. I love the souls in purgatory. And I want to tell you about that. I want to talk about purgatory today, not only because that that great solemnity is tomorrow, in which we recount, we recall, we call to mind the reality of purgatory, the reality of death, the reality of purgatory, and the souls who are there, and the need that they have of us and of our prayers. We're going to talk about that. I love that. We're going to talk about it, but I want to bring it up today also because November, the month of November, is devoted to the souls in purgatory, those who have died. And this is so important, folks. This is so important to pray for the dead. Huge huge deal. And I think a lot of times in our busy lives, we don't think about that. So we're going to think about it now. We're going to think about it right here on the show today. 
Uh, we got feedback coming to you. Also, what else? We got some other good stuff here. Sarah Reinhardt joins us with the uh, Mary in the Kitchen segment. She's going to talk about the sorrowful mysteries. And by the way, before we get into that, I want to tell you that I am so grateful. I am so thankful to the Lord for the great blessing that he gave me this past month because, I, I, as I mentioned last episode, I made a commitment in the beginning of October to pray the rosary every day. And uh, by his grace, by his grace, I did. And I, I'm just so excited about that. And it's not something that ends now that we're in November. It doesn't end. <laughs> that was the beginning, folks. That was the beginning uh, of me getting back in the habit back in the habit that I had gotten out of, of praying the rosary every day, and I'm just so excited about that. So praise God for that. Thank you, Lord. And let's see, what else do we have? Anything else before we get into our first segment? I want to thank uh, the fine folks over there at divineoffice.org for sponsoring the show today. Uh, Liturgy of the Hours. I love the Liturgy of the Hours. You've heard me talk about this before. Uh, Divineoffice.org. You will find um, lots of information about the Divine Office, about the Liturgy of the Hours, and how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. But in addition to that, you will actually find the Liturgy of the Hours. (laughs) That's right. They have it right there online for you. You can join others in prayer right there at divineoffice.org. As a matter of fact, you can join me in prayer over there. Uh, I pray the Divine Office every day. So um, join me. Join me. Divineoffice.org. Org. And as we begin the show today, let us go ahead and say our prayer, our blessing, which is actually today I'm going to take it from the Divine Office. This is going to come from uh, morning prayer for the solemnity of all saints. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, today we rejoice in the holy men and women of every time and place. May their prayers bring us your forgiveness and love. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Wow, something smells good. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very, it's good. Uh, it's very good. Well, I have a couple of, uh, pieces of feedback for you here. We are in our appetizer segment and, uh, you know, a couple things. Uh, first of all, I put, I posted something just the other day on catholicfoodie.com and it was, I'm going to pull it up here right now. It was in, um, uh, just a post I came up with about a video, a video I saw on YouTube. I can't believe it. Even as I'm telling it right now, I can't believe it. It was a guy who, um, poached salmon in the dishwasher. I don't know if you saw that video, over at catholicfoodie.com, but I think it's worth a watch. It's only a couple of minutes long, and uh, <laughs> I just didn't know what to think about that. Like, that just, it just doesn't seem right, does it? It just does not seem right. Uh, he said in the video, this guy said that he had heard of people doing this before and thought maybe it was kind of an urban legend, so he wanted to check it out. 
So he went ahead and I mean, you wrap it in foil and all this, you know, you kind of season it first, wrap it in foil, and you stick it in the upper, the uh, the, the top uh, rack of the dishwasher and let it run. And it, and it, and it apparently, I mean, apparently, according to the video, it, uh, it worked. I'm not so sure that I'll be trying that out. I don't know about you. If you decide to, uh, to try that one out, you let me know. But uh, I, I, I'm kind of funny about that. I don't want to put fish, raw fish, in my dishwasher. Who knows what could happen with that? But according to the video, it worked. Anyway, I did have some comments left there on the site um, about this particular, um, I don't know, adventure. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call that. And uh, very, very interesting. Uh, we had a couple of folks, I had someone who said that they were going to try this. So let me see here who sent this. This was someone with the uh, the name, the only name I have is Cats in the Kitchen. So Cats in the Kitchen said, my husband said that he saw a movie once uh, where someone cooked an entire fish in a dishwasher and he thought it crazy. He thought it was crazy. I disagreed and reminded him that he doesn't cook so he could reserve his judgments for something that he knows more about. Um, I think it's genius. It's a genius idea for a busy family. I'm absolutely going to try this soon. Uh, on one of these days when I have a mountain of laundry and the house needs dusting and there's just no time to do anything but run a load of dishes through the dishwasher, I will certainly let you know how it goes. So cats in the kitchen, thank you. <laughs> thank you for taking that off my hands. I, I I don't know if I have the guts to try it, but please do let me know how that turns out. And if you if you uh, want to try this at home, please do let me know how this turns out. I just I don't think I can muster up the uh, the courage to throw fish into my dishwasher to uh, to try this. But oh well, it's pretty interesting, don't you think? <laughs> I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, folks, you know, this is our salad segment, and uh, we're going to talk today about the Green Goddess. The Green Goddess in New Orleans. It is a restaurant. And uh, just two weeks ago, I had the incredible pleasure of taking my wife to New Orleans for the day and uh, and for the night. We actually stayed the night. We stayed in a very nice hotel downtown in New Orleans. And uh, we went to a party, a surprise party that night uh, for a friend of ours. Very, very nice. We went to Dini's, Dini's Seafood Restaurant right there in the French Quarter you talk about good. And, of course, we had lots of friends who were there. It was just a really, really nice time. Had lots of fun. Now, this was a special treat for us because we actually had someone watching our children. We took them. We were actually in New Orleans that, I mean, in Baton Rouge that day with uh, with family. And we ended up just leaving my children, our children, with my parents. And uh, we took off, went to New Orleans. It was it was awesome. It was so cool. And we, we got to the hotel, went to the hotel first, and... Uh, dropped off all of our stuff and and got showered up and ready to go to uh to the party and just had a really good time. Uh we the party wasn't that far away. We were in a hotel right down right downtown. So we walked 
to the quarter, walk to the restaurant, and uh, and walk back. God, it was just, folks, I just can't tell you how nice it was. It was just so nice to be there with my wife and not having any kind of worries, not having to worry about, you know, the kids need this out of the other or, you know, just all the kind of concerns you have every day as a mom and a dad. We didn't have to worry about that for this period of time, this short period of time. We we got to pretend like we were single and and uh, or maybe I should say not single. We got to pretend like we were um an older couple with, you know, an empty nest. <laughs> it was nice. It was really nice. Now, the next day, we had the pleasure of doing two things that were, oh, just such a blessing, such a blessing. The first one is we were literally, I would say, maybe three or four blocks away from the church in which we were married. And, uh, you know, our wedding anniversary is this month. Matter of fact, it's just two weeks away, the 14th. We've been married 12, or we will have been married, or we are basically married 12 years. 12 years, it's hard to believe, hard to believe. Time flies this fast. It's unreal. But we were married uh, 12 years ago in this church at St. Patrick's in downtown New Orleans. If you have ever been in New Orleans, if you've ever gone down there traveling uh, and you have visited churches, done different things, you will know there are two churches down in New Orleans, the downtown area, that are just strikingly gorgeous. One is the cathedral, St. Louis Cathedral, and one is known as the Second Cathedral in New Orleans, and that's St. Patrick's. It is referred to as the Second Cathedral by many people. Matter of fact, Cardinal Schonborn, right, the, the, the cardinal who was behind the Catechism of the Catholic Church, he, did, he headed up the, the, uh, the committee, the group, that actually did the work of putting together the Catechism of the Catholic Church. He has come down to New Orleans many times and has celebrated Mass at St. Patrick's and has made comments along the lines of that this is the most Catholic, Catholic church he's ever been in. I mean, it is just stunningly beautiful. The architecture, the artwork inside, it is just gorgeous. And it has the traditional altar there as well as, you know, they have an altar there to celebrate Mass as we would normally know it to be celebrated. But once, uh, um, uh, or every Sunday, one Mass every Sunday, they still, they do uh, celebrate the extraordinary rite, which is the Latin liturgy, right? The Latin liturgy. So it's the only uh, parish church in the Archdiocese of New Orleans that celebrates the Latin liturgy on a weekly basis. So there are lots of folks who travel from all over the archdiocese on Sunday to go to Mass there for the Latin liturgy. It's really neat. Uh, I've only been to two Latin liturgies in my life, and one of those was that particular Sunday morning uh, because of the, you know we had to check out, I think, at 11-something, I can't remember, 11.30 or noon. And so we could not, we had to go to the 9.30 Mass. We couldn't go later so, and that was the, the Latin liturgy, and it was just so beautiful. I, I, I was in awe at how beautiful it was. And, of course, it was so good to be in that same church there with my wife, same church we got married in. It was, oh, it was a delight. It was an absolute delight. It's one of those days where the weather's beautiful. It's sunny. The, it's clear as can be. The weather was very mild for New Orleans. It was like in the 60s, upper 60s, lower 70s breezy. It was just so beautiful. And not a care in the world. We don't have to take care of the kids. And here we are in the church where we were married 
Oh man, it was it was awesome. What more could you ask for? It was just it was like a little slice of heaven. And then we got another treat after mass and after checking out of the hotel. We had another treat, and that treat was we got to go out to eat by ourselves to a very nice, a very unique, but a very nice restaurant. This place is called The Green Goddess. Let me tell you about the food. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And uh, the food smells so good. And on the menu for the day, they were serving these sweet potato biscuits with a homemade uh, honey, um, honey butter and a, oh gosh, it was a homemade pepper jelly. Whoa. We, all, we had an order of those just to kind of taste them and see how they are. Oh, my goodness. Just that, just not, not only did the butter melt in your mouth, but those sweet potato biscuits kind of melt in your mouth. They were just so good and creamy. And that, that homemade uh, pepper jelly, oh, my goodness. You talk about, it's got a little kick to it, you know. It's a pepper jelly, and it's got that sweet and that hot all together at the same time. It just kind of makes your mouth happy especially after having a couple of sips of coffee. I mean, it was just a lot of happiness going on at our table while we were tasting. It was good. It was good. And I never would have thought about sweet potato biscuits. I'd never had that before. Char ended up ordering uh, shrimp and grits, which is a kind of a traditional New Orleans dish. Shrimp and grits. It's um, uh, grits, which in a lot of ways is kind of like an etouffee. And on the menu, it says they're big Gulf shrimp and New Orleans barbecue sauce over grits cake. Now, when you hear New Orleans barbecue sauce, that is not a traditional kind of barbecue sauce you may have in mind. It's not like a Memphis barbecue sauce or any of that kind of stuff, right? Or Texas barbecue sauce. This is basically butter and garlic and uh, green onions and uh, um, what else? What else would go in there? I don't know. I mean, you got salt and other kind of seasonings cooked down, right? That's that's sort of what this kind of barbecue sauce is. And it goes over the grits. And in, in this case, it's a grits cake. Oh, man, you talk about good. You talk about good. And the shrimp, they had some, uh, I don't know, like four or five really jumbo, large jumbo shrimp there in her shrimp and grits. Good dish. And I had a Cuban luau sandwich. Wow, man, this stuff was so good. I was so, I was blown away. I really was blown away. Listen to this. This is how it's described on the menu. It's artisanal salami, okay? Artisanal salami, pulled pork, manchego cheese, pickled banana peppers, and roasted pineapple on a pressed ciabatta. Oh, man, that slap your mama good stuff. You know what I'm talking about? That is good. And I just, I delighted in my sandwich. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed my my Cuban luau sandwich. It was so good. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I should probably bring this home and let the kids taste it. But guess what? Uh-uh. It didn't happen. It did not happen. So <laughs> it was good. But you know what? We were looking at the menu earlier. We didn't know this ahead of time. We were looking at the menu when we got there and all these different options, right? We finally kind of settled on the shrimp and grits and we settled on the Cuban luau. 
But while we were looking, we our eyes just couldn't help but fall down to the desserts section. And so I'm looking at the desserts, and guess what my eyes come across? Something that I had never heard of before. But I tell you what, when I saw it, first of all, it was like instantly I knew it was a match made in heaven. And yeah, I'm talking about the ingredients and in, in, in what I'm about to tell you. But I'm also talking about like between me and this thing. Match made in heaven. It was like it just jumped out at me and gave me a big kiss. It was, uh, it's called our notorious bacon Sunday. That's right, a bacon Sunday. I don't know if you've ever heard of a bacon Sunday. I had never heard of a bacon Sunday. A bacon Sunday. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, I read the other day. It was a, a little saying. It was actually on the wrapper of uh, of a pack of bacon we bought. That says. Uh, before aromatherapy, there was bacon. And you know what? I can agree with that. My child, my youngest child, is a bacon fanatic. Grace is a bacon fanatic. She loves bacon. One year for Christmas, she asked Santa for bacon, and boy, did Santa bring bacon to her. It was unreal. So uh, I saw this, and she gets it from me, right? She gets it from me. I love bacon. I can, I can cook bacon on a Sunday and, and, and leave that grease in the pan, you know, and then fry my eggs in this bacon grease. Oh, oh, wow. That is good. That is good. So anyway, I saw this. It's like, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Bacon Sunday. This is what the, the, the is written on the menu. This is what jumped out and basically grabbed me by the head and just gave me a big old smooch. It says pecan praline ice cream with a creamy bacon caramel sauce carrying a bit of both pink and Himalayan and black lava salt. I'm sorry. Carrying a bit of both pink Himalayan and black lava salts and microplaned, oh, I can't say this word, Nusks applewood bacon layered with whipped cream, of course. All right, let me read that again because I think I did a terrible job. Pecan praline ice cream with a creamy bacon caramel sauce. Just that. Just that. Oh. With a bit of both pink Himalayan and black lava salts and microplaned applewood bacon layered with whipped uh, with yeah layered with whipped cream oh man this thing came out in one of them traditional big huge like um sunday uh glasses i don't know what you call it like a big glass kind of tulip looking thing this big huge deal and oh with these big spoons these long spoons and it smelled just like heaven first of all and then secondly you had that pecan praline ice cream, which I love pralines and pecans, and it's just real southern stuff, you know, and it had that creamy caramel, bacon caramel sauce. Oh, it was sweet, but it was salty. It was bacony, you know, with that sweet in there. And we're not talking bacon bits, right? What do they call that in the store? You can buy those bitto bacon or something like that. We're not talking that. We're talking real bacon. That's the one really, really, really good thing about like Mother Earth, nature, people, right? Everything is natural. It is real. We're talking real bacon with oh, in the sauce with these pieces of bacon on top. Oh, man. John and I just looked at each other like, this is just too good to be true. <laughs> it's that good. We're going to be coming back here just for the notorious Bacon Sunday. Folks, I'm telling you, that thing was eight bucks. 
I think I'd have paid 16 for it. It was so good. It was so good. If you ever have a chance to try a bacon sundae, please do. Do yourself a favor and try it. But if if and if you ever come down to New Orleans, I will highly recommend you go try out Green Goddess, right? The Green Goddess. This place is good. It's like a little secret treasure there in New Orleans. So uh, Green Goddess, you're going to find it over at GreenGoddessNola.com, GreenGoddessNola.com. And uh, check out that website and let me know what you think. Give me a call at 985-635-4974 or send me an email, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, here we are, folks, in the main segment, the main course here of the show. We're going to talk about the All Saints and All Souls. Really, we're going to talk about the uh, the souls in purgatory. Uh, as far as All Saints go, I just want to reiterate, I already said something about this and began the show, but I'm going to say it again now. We are all part of what is called the communion of saints. When we pray the creed, we say that we believe in the communion of saints. What does that mean? It means that death ain't the end, folks. It's not the end. Death is not the end. It is only a transition um, that those who have gone before us marked with the sign of faith are still very much, really, very much among us, uh, the saints. That's why we, as Catholics, can pray to the saints. We're not praying to the saints because we think that they are equal to God or equal to Jesus in any sort of way. We pray to the saints because just as I would ask you to pray for me if I needed prayer for something, we can ask them to pray for us too. Matter of fact, an interesting thing, an interesting thing if you go back and you read Shakespeare, uh, you, you're going to come across certain expressions like, you know, pray tell, for instance, uh, or I pray you, blah, 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 blah. And uh, basically the word pray simply means to ask, right? Even in English, way back when, we used to use the word pray simply to mean ask. So when I'm going to pray to a saint, I'm asking that saint I'm asking that saint to pray for me or whatever my intention may be. So we go to the saints, we ask them to pray with us and to pray for us, and they can do that. See, that's the wonderful thing about uh, our Catholic faith, too, is that it helps us to understand very clearly the role of um, the role that God has given to man, the uh, call, the, the gift, the grace that God has given to man to be like a co-creator with him, a co-creator with God. God, of course, does not need us to do anything, and yet what does he do over and over and over again? He shows us throughout Scripture that he wants us to cooperate with him, that he wants us to participate with him, that he wants us to be part of the creative process, and so he doesn't do it all on his own. He, he wants us to be part of that which is just a beautiful, beautiful thing, uh, so that we, we really do have a dignity. We have a, 
uh, a dignity given by God that's part of who we are that means that we ourselves actually play a role in salvation. Think about this. Paul, in writing in his letters, St. Paul talks about how in my own body I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Now think about that. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He made the perfect sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of sins. So how can St. Paul, this great apostle, sometimes referred to as the greatest apostle, how can he say that he is making up in his own flesh, he is making up in his own flesh uh, what is lacking in the sufferings? How can there be anything lacking in the sufferings of Christ? His was a perfect sacrifice. His a perfect oblation. How can anything be missing? And yet what we start to see, what is assumed in there, what is insinuated, what is there under the surface is the fact that we have to participate in the work of God, that God calls us to participate in that work. And so in my own life, in my own way, in my own flesh, I can make up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings in the particular, in the particular. That's why as Catholics we believe that we can pray and make sacrifices, offering things up for intentions, for other people, right? We, we believe that we can go and um, I can offer up, let's say I go to Mass and I receive communion, I can offer up my communion, that work, that, uh, that, that openness on my part, that receptivity on my part, any graces that I would be receiving from that communion, I can offer that up for someone else. Not only somebody else who's alive, like maybe one of my children who needs grace at a certain, you know, for a certain reason, a certain time, but also for someone who has already died, who may be in purgatory. I can pray for them. I can offer up that communion. I can pray the rosary, and I can offer that up. Right? Any merits, any grace that I would receive from God for doing that, I can offer up, and in a very real way, I am participating in the creation, in, in, in God's own work of creation and salvation, and salvation by doing that. What dignity he has given us, huh? What uh, uh, amazing gifts he has given us to be able to participate with him in creation and in salvation, the salvation of the world, so that in a very real way, the salvation of many, many people depends on us, depends on us. We all have important work to do in the kingdom of God. We all do. And I find this to be absolutely amazing. That is why it is so important for us to pray for each other and why it is so important for us to understand and to realize what it is that God calls us to do and the dignity and authority that God has given to us as baptized Christians. That I, you know, when you're baptized, you are baptized into Christ as priest, prophet, and king. Priest, prophet, and king. Okay? We have in the church a ministerial priesthood. You know, we see these, these are the, the men who are at the altar on every day of the week, celebrating the Eucharist, celebrating the sacraments, baptizing, um, um, uh, forgiving sins in the confessional, 
anointing the sick, right? These are the priests, the ministerial priests. But do you know that me and you, me and you have been baptized into the priesthood of Jesus Christ? You and I are, we, we share in the baptism or the, um, uh, uh, the priesthood of the people of God, the priesthood of Jesus, right? Uh, G, we're baptized. Jesus makes us into a kingdom of priests to serve our God, right? Priest, prophet, and king. So we have a priestly role, and how do we as the laity, people who are not part of the ministerial priesthood, how do we exercise our priestly roles? It is by offering sacrifice, because that is what a priest does. A priest offers sacrifice. That is the whole point of a priest. A priest is someone who is who goes between God and man, but don't he doesn't just go between God and man in any particular kind of way. He goes specifically, primarily, in offering sacrifice. Offering sacrifice. You can go back and read Exodus. And, and read and learn more about this. Um, Abraham, Abraham is our father in faith. Abraham, back in Genesis, Abraham uh, was friends with God. He was so close to God. He and God spoke very intimately, and he is the father of the chosen people. But Abraham was not a priest. He was not a ministerial priest. When he went to offer sacrifice, who offered sacrifice on behalf of Abraham? Melchizedek, who is a very mysterious, very, uh, I say mysterious and sort of um, um, uh, uh, spiritual, in a sense, uh, figure in the Old Testament. He only appears at one time, and he appears out of the blue. He is known as the king of Salem, but also a priest. A priest, it says specifically, a priest. And he offers sacrifice on behalf of Abraham. So as as priests, as, as partakers of this priesthood of Jesus Christ, as a baptized member of Jesus, right? We're baptized into Jesus. We are priests in as much as we offer sacrifice. We are called to offer sacrifice on behalf of sinners. Now, how do we do this? We do this by offering up traditional Catholic teaching or Catholic practice here, offering up sufferings, offering up prayers, offering up the things that we experience in our daily lives, we offer these things up for others. We offer them up for sinners. We offer them up for the dead, especially the souls in purgatory. We offer them up for other intentions, for the intentions of the Holy Father, for the intentions of the, of the, of the missions, the intentions of those who work as, uh, as pastors in the church, the clergy. We offer them up for all these different reasons. But we, folks, we, folks, we are priests in that respect, right? And our priesthood consists in offering sacrifice for others. And that is why as we come in now to the month of November, the month of the dead, the month that we remember the souls in purgatory, as we begin to, uh, or as we prepare to celebrate the, the great solemnity of all souls tomorrow, November 2nd, why it is important for us to know who and what we are and, and what we're called to, that there are people, human beings, souls that will live forever that are depending on my prayers and your prayers. They're dependent on my sacrifice and your sacrifice. That in a lot of ways, our lives aren't about ourselves. My life is not about me. That I have an opportunity for as long as I am here on earth to work out my own salvation, but not only work out my own salvation by focusing on me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, but working out my own salvation by giving of myself in charity, both physically 
in my life and in my duties and responsibilities to my wife and to my family and to those around me, to my parish family too, but in addition to that, to being able to, or to give of myself, to sacrifice of myself to all those, all those who are in need, those who are close to me, those who are far away, those who have died. I am called to do that. And the way that I work out my salvation is by dying to myself and really by focusing more on, on these, on these others. And so that is what, that is what I, I want to do, is what I strive to do. I have in the last, well, I mean, always in my life, but even, or I should say in particular in the last few weeks, I have developed um, just a really strong devotion to the souls in purgatory. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they, they must need it. And so they, uh, they probably prayed for me to have the grace to know more about them so that I can pray for them and offer sacrifice for them. And that is what I have been striving to do. And, and I've written about this uh, over at CatholicFoodie.com. There was a matter of fact, there was a, um, um, there was a post that I put up not that long ago, just this past week, and it was about, what was it about? It was about the souls in purgatory. TV dinners, that was the name of it. I called it TV dinners, and I wrote about um, my experience growing up and how we, I used to watch TV, you know, eating, and but we don't do that anymore. We don't really have TV, but we do have other traditions, and one of the things that we do is we pray for those who have died. We pray for the souls in purgatory at every meal, in my family, and that I've been reading some books to my children at, around the table as we uh, prepare to eat or as, as they eat, I read. And one of the books that I want to recommend it to you, excellent, excellent book, fantastic book on the souls of purgatory. I would highly recommend it for this month of November. You'll find a link at catholicfoodie.com where you can buy this uh, this book. It's an affiliate link, uh, which means that I, I would it doesn't cost you any more, but I do get a little... Um, uh, uh, referral fee, I guess, or referral uh, amount of money for sending you to the website to get this, but you'll find that link over at catholicfoodie.com. It's called Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory by Susan Susan Tasson. And man, I tell you, I can't tell you how much I love this book. Uh, it's incredible. All the stuff that I have learned about purgatory, things I had no idea about before and am learning now, makes me want more and more every day to pray for the holy souls in purgatory. Wow, you talk about, uh, you just, when you really come face to face with the reality of purgatory and what it's all about and the fact that how many people really go there, I mean, of course, we don't know all this with absolute certainty, but we do know this from, uh, you know, saints who have had maybe some private revelations or uh, just good guesstimation, I guess, you know, just a good guesstimation as to how many folks are probably in purgatory. I just pray one day that I will be there. <laughs> Actually, I want to aim high. I pray that I get to go straight to heaven. But guess what? Uh, you got to aim high because if you aim too low, you don't want to, like, miss the mark too much. So uh, anyway, I can't recommend this book enough. There's so many good things in here about purgatory. You may want to go check that out. It is uh, praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, Susan Tasson. We're going to be talking more about the Holy Souls in Purgatory as we go forward through the month of November. Uh, but we're running out of time right now. We've got to get to Mary in the Kitchen with uh, Sarah Reinhardt. So um, just remember tomorrow, pray for the, the faithful departed, for all those who have died. 
who have gone before us marked with the sign of faith. Those who are members of your family, maybe just the poor souls in general, say a prayer for them, pray a rosary for them, whatever uh, whatever the Holy Spirit may be putting on your heart to do for those holy souls. But let's pray for them, let's remember them, and uh, we'll talk more about them in the coming episodes. If you have anything you would like to contribute, anything you would like to ask about or share with us here at The Catholic Foodie about the souls in purgatory, give me a call, 985-635-4974, 985 985- Six three five four nine seven four, or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Hi, I'm Puny. And I'm Ray. And, and this is, is Mary in the, the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> the sorrowful mysteries resound most with me when I'm in the car. It was while we were in the car, on the way home from Mass, that we found out about the sudden and unexpected death of my brother-in-law earlier this year. It was in an ambulance that my husband described to me that he faced his worst fear, the possibility that our five-year-old could be dying from a stroke. It turned out to be a seizure, and she's doing very well now, but I can turn back to my own car trip that night stopping to drop off the younger daughter before hurrying on snowy roads to the hospital. I called a friend that night, in the dark of January, the eve of my brother-in-law's funeral, and asked her to pray with me. I could barely talk. Across the miles that separated us and the tenuous connection we had on the phone, she reached out to me and pointed me to Mary. I don't remember what my friend said, but I do remember that she appealed to Mary. I think I probably prayed the Sorrowful Mysteries that night at least once, though it's more likely that I just muttered the prayers of the rosary to keep myself from sobbing and driving off the road in the face of the enormous fear in front of me. That night, and during subsequent health challenges we faced in the past year, I have felt the sorrowful mysteries as a grace in my life. They no longer stand before me as something to fear, but represent instead the hope of the life to come. Just as my kitchen is the hub of my home, the place from which all the spokes of our lives seem to radiate from, so the sorrowful mysteries seem to be the center of the rosary for me. They don't involve laughter the way my kitchen does, but they do remind me of the camaraderie of the drawing close that happens in the face of tragedy and horror. As I travel through the sorrowful mysteries, I see the path I will have to take through life. There's the agony of the garden, reminding me of how I dread what's to come and bracing me for the pain ahead. Jesus' words become a daily mantra for me. Thy will, not my will. When he's scourged, I think of how often I hurt the people around me, sometimes without meaning to. Each of those pains I cause lend a stripe to his back. What did he do to deserve that treatment? Why is he just standing there and taking it? How can I be humble in my suffering, just as he was? As the crown of thorns settles onto his head, 
I can't help but picture the wincing Mary must have done. Not only are they abusing her son, who's innocent, but they're mocking him. They add insult to injury and then heap on more and more. There is nothing she can do. Not a thing. She can't do anything as he carries his cross, either, except offer him her support and her prayer. What must she have said to God during those grueling hours? What cry came from her lips, her heart, her very soul? And then, the crucifixion. This year especially, the image of Mary at the foot of the cross has been one I have carried with me. I have thought of how she found the strength to stay standing, to walk away and continue her life. I've reflected on how she allowed herself to be changed again and again by accepting God's will. It is in the sorrowful mysteries that we're given true hope, because they are the road to the resurrection. We know the rest of the story. That doesn't make it sting less, though, and it doesn't make the burden any lighter, at least not for me. But it gives me a lifeline to grasp, a light to follow, a way to persevere. Join me this week in praying the sorrowful mysteries for someone who has died in your life and for those who remain and mourn. Offer your grief and their pain and, in the experience of the sorrowful mysteries, find the hope that Jesus offers to each of us. Thank you so much, Sarah. You know, that that is a wonderful and uh, very profound connection there to see that uh, that the, the connection between sorrowful, the sorrowful mysteries, the, the sacrifice, right? Sacrifice, suffering, and hope. Hope is, oh, man, it, it, it's so true. And I think, in a way, we, we miss it. it. It's almost like um, so uh, deceptively simple, maybe, that we just miss that. But uh, Pope John Paul II, if you remember, right, the Pope of Hope, some people have referred to him as the Pope of Hope, uh, has said before that the issues that we're facing in our world today really boil down to a lack of hope. And uh, wow, to be able to find hope in our sufferings, uh, which inevitably happen in life, by joining our sufferings to that of Jesus in the Sorrowful Mysteries, that, that is something that is not pie in the sky. That is something that is down to earth. It is right here, flesh and blood, man. It's just part of, of who we are. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Sarah. You can find more of Sarah Reinhardt over at snoringscholar.com. We also want to uh, say a special thank you to Langelus for letting us use their Ave Maria in the show. You can find them at cajunrecords.com. Well, this brings us, folks, to the end of the show. This is, I guess, what we should call the coffee and dessert segment. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you again, I'm going to remind you again that we do have Catholic Foodie Coffee. That's right, it's the morning offering blend, Catholic Foodie Coffee. I had the awesome pleasure of spending uh, a couple of hours this afternoon at at a coffee shop. It's... um, Right down the road from me is uh, where uh, my beans are roasted, where the Catholic Foodie Coffee is roasted, and uh, where I pick those things up, uh, pick those bags of coffees up. I can't talk. 
where I pick up the bags of coffee and I ship them out to your door <laughs> uh, right down the road. And I was really just doing a taste test. I was tasting different uh, different coffees. So I came home a little wired. <laughs> Occupational hazards, I guess. Anyway, we do have a morning offering, the morning offering coffee, Catholic Foodie Coffee. Go to catholicfoodie.com slash coffee to order yours. The beans are roasted every Tuesday, hand-roasted, and we ship the coffee out to you on Wednesday. So go ahead and place your order. Today is Monday. Get your order in as soon as possible because, um, you know, it gives me a good idea as to how much it needs to be roasted tomorrow uh, and, and what I need to prepare for as far as shipping goes on Wednesday. So catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. And if you have any feedback for the Catholic Foodie, give me a call, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974, or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Oh, and you can also find us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash catholicfoodie. We are only, I think, four or five individuals away of having 600 people liking the Catholic Foodie on Facebook. Isn't that awesome? That is fantastic. So if you do not yet like the Catholic Foodie on Facebook, what are you waiting for? Join the fun, man. We've got 600 people over there, almost 600. You could be number 600. Hey, wouldn't that be cool? Over at at, uh, Facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. If you want to see pictures of that bacon Sunday I was telling you about, uh, we do have pictures over on Facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. But in addition to that, I will post them over in the show notes for this show at catholicfoodie.com. And until next time, bon appétit! SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.